These are songs for the journey. Remember, the songs for the journey of our faith. Uh, I've said this every week. I'll just maybe make a quick repeat of this just so to kind of solidify the context. Uh, as they were uh, looking at these, uh, singing these songs, many of them would have been in practice Jews uh, uh, back then, would have been moving on their way to the temple for a feast of some kind, for a festival, and just looking forward to this uh, place uh, of gathering with other, other believers for them, other people who shared their faith, and uh, looking forward to coming into the place where the presence of God dwelt, in the house of God, in the temple of God. And that's where these are aimed. That's why they're called songs of ascent, because for them, going up to Jerusalem was uh, somewhat literal, but was also a figurative uh, way of saying, we are going up to where God is at, to the, to the presence of where God is at. And uh, you notice, we kind of tracked this through as much as we could, given the short time we had, but we noticed that their, their songs, that the focus of their songs changes as they, go, as they go through. It's like they're journeying through the land and they begin uh, with, with looking at what's happening around them and how people around them aren't being very friendly to them and how God, they ask God to pay attention to that and to intercede on their behalf, those kind of things. And the closer they get, they realize that, that they have bigger concerns. They have things they should be more worried about than what the people out there are doing because they realize that they themselves are sinful. And if God, this is what we talked about last week, if God were to keep track of their sins, then none of them would be able to go to this temple and go into his presence. That hasn't changed, by the way. We don't go to the temple, but it hasn't changed. For us to come into God's presence requires something to take place, something to happen. We can't just, we can't just walk into it because all of us still have that same sin. We all still have uh, this, this idea that if God were to keep track of our sin, none of us would stand before him. And then you see sort of the conclusion as we come through, you see the conclusion of them gathered together, and this now is sort of their exit their exit song. Now, I liken this whole journey to two things for us in our present day. And one is for when we take time to come into God's presence. We probably don't take as much time for it could have taken them days or even weeks to make this journey to Jerusalem, to the temple of God. We don't take that much time. In fact, for many of us, it's, it's much more compressed. Some of us, it's sometimes too compressed where we... Uh, Say, I got to get my prayer time in real quick, and so I'm just going to mumble a few things and ask to tell God what I want and tell him thank you, and off I go on my day. But at any rate, all of us, when we're doing that, are making an effort to come into God's presence. So on one level, you can take these songs of ascent and overlay them on a much more compressed time frame and say, this is kind of what it's like when we come together into God's presence, either personally or corporately. Probably much more directly corporately, if I can say that. But I can also say, on a longer scale, we can overlay this to us living our lives together. And of course, the ultimate end is, again, it makes sense, songs of ascent, we think of heaven, heaven's up, right? It's always up. As we are on our faith journey to, into the actual presence of God, this is where we're going. So the end of this psalm now, it's only three verses. So let's pay attention to it. They're now on, if you can visualize this, they're now on the backside, if I can use that phrase, of having spent time with the Lord, of being in his presence with other believers. And they say this, come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. Should sound familiar, by the way, because we just sang a song about this. Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, you who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, who made heaven and earth. Now, it's probably no surprise, only three verses long, we're going to have to pay attention to all three verses, otherwise we don't have much time, we don't have much to talk about here, right? But I want to have you point, first of all, look at this very first verse. 
Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Now, there's a couple of things I want to say. Again, I, I, one of the things I try to spend a lot of time doing when I'm preaching like this is to caution us or maybe encourage us, whichever way you want to take this, uh, to, to say, let's make sure we're taking time and carefully reading God's word. That we're not just jumping over things. We're not just, you know, saying, well, I know what this phrase says, and I, and I go on. Or maybe I've read this a hundred times before, so I'm going to go on. But to make sure that we carefully, even in a verse like this, there, we can look at this verse on a couple different levels. For example, this verse inside of it tells us, uh, has some theological implications. When I say that, I mean, it, it has some things that inform us of what we should believe about who God is and about who we are and how we relate to God. Just think for a moment. When they're exhorting, the psalmist is exhorting or is, is calling those people, he's saying, come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. Immediately, that puts in context who God is and who we are and what our position to him is. I happen to think it's really, 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 really for a long time, good practice for us to do that a lot in our lives is to take time to stop for a moment and say, hold on, God, he is God, and I'm called his servant. What's, what's a servant do? Well, a servant does the bidding of his master, right? The servant doesn't get to stand in the master's presence and say, now nah, I don't really want to do that. That doesn't seem really fair. I don't really like how you're approaching this. Hey, let me give you some advice about how this might be better, right? Nowhere in the history of servants have servants done that to their masters, at least not very successfully or very long. Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. So two things actually theologically are present here. The first I already mentioned is our position in context towards God. God is the master, we are the servant. The second is our purpose. Come bless the Lord. I don't know if you'd agree with me, but I hope you would agree with me. Theologically speaking, you and I believe that our purpose our reason for existence, the reason why God created us and put us on the earth here is to bless him, is to bring glory to him, is to have, make some kind of statement about him. Now, all of this, I hope you know this. I don't think it's a surprise to you, but it, again, it bears, it's worthy to note that we should stop and think about this kind of stuff. All of this runs pretty countercultural. I would say to the culture around us, but quite frankly, the answer is much deeper than that to the culture inside of us, to the humanity inside of us. It runs counter to that. Just look back at Adam and Eve, who were enticed because they did not want to have this kind of relationship or exist for that kind of purpose. Don't you know that God is withholding something from you, that if you were to eat from this tree, then you would be like him? Ah, oh. oh, that tickles something inside of me that I'd like. And by the way, again, I hope this is no secret to you, but humanity hasn't changed from back then in the Garden of Eden to now. We are not exempt from that. Which is why I stress to us this morning, it's important to take time when we read Scripture to say, not just like read through it and say, well, this is a great story, which it is, but to read through it and say, this has a lot to say about who God is and who I am and why he created me and what I'm existing for and what this relationship is supposed to be like. And it's contained right here in verse 1 of Psalm 134. Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. It tells you and I our position towards God and our purpose for existing. 
Now, I'm gonna take another look at that and sort of shift and come from the other side of things and say, this verse also is an exhortation to us. It's an encouragement to us. Uh, it's a calling. It, it's a, it's a, you know what the word exhortation means? It means to call near, parakaleho, to call alongside, to call near. It's really the chief work of the Holy Spirit. That's why he's called the paraclete, the, the chief uh, one that does that, that calling near, and not just near to anything, but near to God. It's doing that. Notice the phrase that says here. Now, there's a couple of things going on. I want to make sure I'm honest with the text here. But notice the phrase. Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. So let me give you the, 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 the direct uh, application, the direct translation of, of those. So we had this big festival, this big gathering in Jerusalem, right? All these people gathered. They were singing these songs as they went. Now what happens when it's over with? They're all going to go home. But I don't know if you know this, but there's a commitment made at God's request very early on that there's always lamps burning in the temple. There's always service being made to God in the temple. It doesn't ever cease. It goes on day and night. It's to demonstrate to us the, the 24-7, if I can use that phrase, the perpetual nature of God himself, that he never sleeps or slumbers. He never rests. He's never caught unawares. It's to demonstrate to us that. And so there were certain uh, priests or Levites or those who had uh, jobs in the temple. There were certain of those who had uh, drawn, if maybe in their language of the day, they were said, well, we drew the short end of the stick. And they said, well, your job is to minister in the night. You have to stay awake all night long and you have to uh, minister. You have to keep the lamps burning. You have to make sure things are, you have to take care of and minister in the temple after everyone else has gone home. So in a sense, this verse is actually addressed to them. It's saying, listen, we all came. We all love this presence. The, the, the psalm just before that says how incredible it is when all the brothers have, uh, dwell together in unity. How, when, the, when they're all together, it's like the, it's like the oil running off of uh, Aaron's beard. It's like the, the dew from Mount Hermon. Go back and read Psalm 133. But now we're leaving, and you're left to carry on this important task. But let me pull that into today for us. Because I think behind that, if I can just use this phrase, behind that is the exhortation or the encouragement that there are times when we get together and we have this great time with the Lord. We have this great high point, this great mountaintop experience, this great corporate gathering of worship. And then when everybody goes away, what happens? Can I tell you this morning, there is a great need for some people somewhere to stay and say, I'm going to keep doing what I've been doing all this time. I'm not reliant on these highs and then I'm okay to go back down and go back until I have the next high that comes along. I am going to stay in the presence of God and continue ministering just like I've been doing all this time. This is why I look at this verse and say, for us today, it is an encouragement. It's an exhortation, a, a call to come near and say, listen, let's not, if God in fact in his word has said, that we are under a different covenant than these people that we're, that we're leading about here. We're under a different covenant where God will take out our hearts of stone and put in a heart of flesh, where God will put his very spirit inside of us, which is, is always just in perpetuity, just like God is, never sleeping, never slumbering, always acting, that, that there's this calling near and saying, listen, don't settle, don't be okay with just the occasional coming into the great big presence of God and having this feed you and you have this mountaintop experience and you hope you can coast on that for the next period of time, pick whatever you want, number of weeks, 
or perhaps more frankly for us would be for the next seven days until you come to church again. But be among those that this verse is talking about. Those who stay behind and will stay awake all night long. Stay awake all night long and say, God's work is not done yet. And my work for God is not done yet. And I won't walk away. Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord, who are ministering, who continue, who are steady, who stay there. Now, I'm going to take one more shift here. So we spend a bunch of time here with this first verse. I'm going to take one more shift and look at it just simply as a word of application. If indeed, now you'll have to answer this for yourself. I won't presume too much other than I by default have to presume because I have to keep preaching the message here, so bear with me. But if indeed you count yourself among those that say, hey, I want to be one of those servants who minister, who stand by the night, who don't walk away after all the, all the, the big hullabaloo is done and everybody's gone home and it's sort of, we're all like crashed down and we're all like, okay, we'll coast on this for a while. I'm not like one of those people. I'm gonna say, this is a time to keep the momentum going, not to just settle back. I'm one of those people. Then I wanna just spend time in application because the application is right there, right? The point of that is to bless the Lord. That if that's what you want, if that's your intention is to serve God, is to bless him. Now, this word bless is an interesting word. I just kind of jumped over it, but it's the Hebrew word barak. Barak means quite literally to kneel, to kneel. So if you would want to translate it that way, which by, by, by and large, uh, all the times in the Old Testament it's used, it almost always comes out bless. And there are some other forms. You're going to see another one in just a little bit. There are some other words that sometimes it's translated as. But blessed is far and away the word that comes out always. So I don't want to move too far away from that. But there's a real sense that to bless the Lord means to kneel and worship him. It's the word that servants, I mean, not surprisingly, right? But it's the word that is used of servants when they come in the presence of their master. They, uh, if you want to use that word as a verb, they barak in front of their master. It's the word that subjects uh, it's used of subjects when they come in the presence of the king. They bow their knee and they worship. That's what the word worship means, by the way, is to prostrate yourself. Actually, there's, there's actually visual drawn. I, it's, I, you, you have to love words. Words paint pictures for us, and we should allow them to paint pictures for us and not just be a word on a page. They paint pictures for us, and the word barak paints the picture of us on our knees with our hands lifted up to God, signifying that when our hands are lifted up to him, it's signifying that we're not only giving him praise or worship, but we're also offering them in supplication, like we need you, like we're dependent upon you. By the way, all these things, we lose some things when we don't live in kingdoms anymore. I'm not saying I want to live in a kingdom where there's a, one single ruler who's not always very kind because humans are like that, but we lose some things because that's literally what happened for centuries and centuries and centuries. If a subject came in front of the king who was all powerful and had the right to do whatever he wanted to and who saw himself as a god, which was almost always true, then they would fall on their knees and they would have their hands up because they were signifying that I'm submitting to you, but I'm also depending on you. And this, of course, paints the picture that we sometimes have lost in America today, that that's the position that we have with God. So, if you want to be a servant who's ministering, who's standing by night in the house of the Lord, the application is very quite simple here. Your job is to bless him. It should declare that you are submitted to him and dependent upon him. I like to use the word of God to help us do that this morning. And um, I hope you're okay with, uh, there's times when I, I'm hopeful that I'm teaching 
good, insightful things that you are thinking, wow, I've you know, never thought about that way. But there's lots of times when I hope you're okay with just simply hearing the word of God say what it says because I think that's far more powerful than anything that's ever going to come out of my mouth. I was going to put this verse up when I was talking a little bit ago, so I'll just uh, put it up there now. Psalm 95, 6 gives you one other time when that word barak, bless, is translated differently. It says, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel, that's the word barak, let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Now, to help us today, I, I invite you to follow along. I'm going to try to give you all the references I'm, I'm giving. Help us, I'd just like to read the first part of that psalm, Psalm 95. This is an effort for us to apply what is said in verse 1, that we should bless the Lord. If it's our intention to be a servant of the Lord, to be one of those who stand by night, who stay firm, steady, faithful, steadfast to God, that this is our position. These words, as it were, are words that we are saying to God this morning. Let's begin Psalm 95, verse 1. I'm going to read up to where I came to in verse 6 here. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. And then, of course, the verse I just read. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. I'm going to stop there and pause just for a moment. This, this is an introduction, to, and we're just going to move through the couple of psalms real close together. They're very effective for this, and I want to let the word of God speak to us. But I want you to notice a couple of things because, again, these are painting pictures for us as to how we are to come and bless the Lord. What it's like. What kind, so take note of what kind of attitudes do you see? What kind of, of, of uh, sense of, of what these people are like that are, that are saying these things? What, where are they at? Are they happy? Are they sad? Are they joyful? Are they, wh- what kind of things are coming out of their mouths? What are they paying attention to? And, and I'll just give you sort of a, a thing to look for. Notice when they're talking about who God is, the character of God. He's worthy of our praise for who he is. But notice they're also talking about what he has done. They're thankful and they're praising him and acknowledging for him for what he has done. Both of those are really, really important, by the way. We sometimes uh, tend to focus on one over the other. Quite frankly, most times we tend to focus on what he has done, not on who he is, which is why I tend to stress that. You should love God and worship him, by the way, and Barak, kneel before him, worship him because of who he is, not just for what he's done, although he has done great things. Those are just things that demonstrate the majesty and the power and the awesomeness of who he is. Let's skip down now to uh, the next uh, chapter that's right there, Psalm 96, and let me just read it to you. Follow along, please. Let these be your words that you want to say to the Lord. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Let me just read that verse again because that verse is so powerful. Worship the Lord in the splendor. It's called splendor. 
folks. It's a good thing. It's beautiful in the splendor of holiness. There's nothing more beautiful than the holiness, the purity, the righteousness that comes from being found in Jesus Christ before God. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the Lord is established. It shall never be moved. Sorry, yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exalt and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and his people in faithfulness. Come, you servants of the Lord. Bless the Lord. Let me jump over now to Psalm 100. I hope you're tracking along with me. These are probably very familiar psalms. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Can we please, can we please, you and I, I say this to all of us, myself included, can we please stop grumbling about what God asked us to do? Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. I'm gonna skip a few more and jump over to one of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 103. You're gonna notice a theme in this one. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Thank the Lord for that. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, as for us, as for you and I, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. I hope this morning, brothers and sisters, I hope this morning 
that that's where you're at, that that's a personal statement of yours this morning. Bless the Lord, my soul. I can tell you all the other phrases as, as the psalmist built repetition, all those other phrases, they were true. All his angels are blessing him. All the host, all his ministers, they're blessing him. All of his works and all his dominion, which is everywhere, they're all blessing him. But the last one is a personal statement that you have choice in. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Is it any wonder, is it any wonder, reading all those things I just read, we could have read a lot more this morning, but reading all those things I just read about the amazingness of God, how incredible, how unbelievable that he is and what he's done for us, is it any wonder that in verse two of Psalm 134, it says this, that exhortation continues to lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. Kneel before him, lift your hands up, submit to him, declare that you're dependent on him, give him your worship, give him your praise, give him the fruit of the testimony of your lips that says, God, I need you. All these things, that's what the psalmist was doing. But you, you know you have your own story. It overlaps. There's a lot of similar themes. In fact, in Psalm 103, there's a lot. It's one of my, why it's one of my favorite psalms because there's a lot of similar themes, right? God has forgiven my iniquity. He has taken my sin as far as the east is from the west. As high as the heavens are above the earth, that's how great his mercy is. His love is towards us. His goodness, he's good, faithful. All those things, they interweave, but my particular story is different and so is yours. This morning, I'm gonna do something that's maybe a little bit different from what we have always done and I've always saved sharing time for the very end and we're not quite done with the message yet. But I want to take a break and I want to allow us to do exactly that for this whole thing has been building towards saying, hey, if you're a servant of God, if you are one of those that wants to stay, when everyone else goes home, you want to stay in God's presence, then we should bless the Lord. We should lift our hands and say, I will declare the glory of who he is and what he's done for me. There's one piece left in this psalm, and I don't know if you, we haven't covered verse three yet, and I want to notice that it actually shifts the, uh, so far it's been a solid building exhortation to us to be servants of the Lord and to bless him and to recognize uh, who, who he is and who we are in, in regards to who he is. Then the very final piece is, is uh, we typically would call this like a benediction. The very final piece is the psalmist says, may the Lord bless you, speaking about all the people, it's a plural, you, bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. All of this praise and attention that we just gave to God, all this magnifying we just did, which is all true. And then he turns and says, the reality is we are dependent upon his blessing towards us. It's a little bit of the, the statement uh, that Paul makes in Philippians. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to say it exactly right. Philippians chapter two, I think it is. He says that we should work out our own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in us. Uh, to do what he wills. Uh, and it's this, this curious relationship of, of we, are to, we are to make every effort, we are to apply ourselves diligently to, uh, to uh, working out, to, to honoring God and, and, and allowing Jesus and, and doing his bidding. And, but the reality is it's his strength that does it in us. It's God's work that does it in us. It is his Holy Spirit that moves in us. And this carries that same flavor. Come, all you servants of the Lord, bless the Lord. But recognize that ultimately what you actually really need in order for that to even be possible is God's blessing on you, is his favor towards you. 
Which is why it should always, 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 always knock a, what's the phrase? Something about our socks off. It should do that to us. When all the things we read about God and how amazing he is, and then recognize that he does have that kind of favor towards you. He loves you like that. He cares for you. He will bless you because of that, because he loves you, because he cares about you. So we'll, we'll wrap it up right there. I'm just gonna invite you to stand. I'm gonna close in prayer, but I'm gonna invite you to stand because I'm gonna do my prayer, my benediction all together. God, we are so grateful for your word this morning. We love your word and love how it speaks to us and love how it brings to mind and says things that, quite frankly, many times I couldn't say myself. I couldn't use, I, I couldn't, my, my brain falls flat and then I read your word and I say, yes, that's what I wanna say. That's what I wanna say about you. And I'm so grateful for your word this morning. I pray that this morning as we have, uh, are wrapping up this, the songs of our journey, that, that it has caused us to, to, to step in and say, yes, being in your presence, carrying your presence around in my body, that is what I want all the time. I don't want to walk away from it. I don't want to have highs and then coast. I want to be there, as it were, standing by night, recognizing your, your, your permanent presence inside of me. And then to say, God, I know my role is to bless you. I lift up my hands to you and I say, God, you are the God, maker of heaven and earth. All other gods are worthless idols. You are high and lifted up. You are full of majesty and, and beauty. You, your, your sanctuary, your, your throne is established forever. Your sanctuary is filled with the glory of who you are. You are an amazing, amazing God. And I bless you. And on top of that, all the things that you have done, we heard them this morning. And God, we thank you for the answers to prayer, the, 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 the remissions of cancer, the way that you've come through, the way you've shown your faithfulness, the way you have this ability to, to have something happen in our lives. And then we pick up our Bibles and we read, and it just, those words leap out of the page and say, this speaks into my life right now. And God, we are praising you and thanking you for the things that you have done for the ways that you have written our life stories. Though they have pain, though there's, there's suffering, there's twists and turns, we already on this side of heaven can already tell that you're here, that you're in it, that you are the God of all glory and we put our hope in you. But we also say that full of faith, knowing that when we get there in your actual presence, that we will know without a shadow of a doubt that you were right in every single thing. But then, God, as we close out this morning, we ask for your blessing on us, for we know that we can do nothing of value except that you do it in us. We have no strength or power to live a right life before you except that you work in us. We have no ability to be a witness as we want to be to the world around us except that you are that light inside of us. So, God, we ask that you would bless us from your throne would bless us. You are the maker of heaven and earth. Would you bless us as we leave this place? I pray in Jesus' name, amen.